Hmm? What are you two doing? Shin, it's Athrin. Huh? That's nice. Huh? The freedom? <sighs> Damn it! Why can't I beat it? Hmm? It reacts incredibly fast when the camera turns toward it. Impressive use of the thrusters. He flies it like it was an extension of his body. The Freedom is a more powerful machine than the Impulse. Yet look how easily he moves it around. Shen, and you too, Ray. What are you doing? <sighs> what am I doing? Isn't it obvious? I'm running a combat simulation with the Freedom. You got a problem with that? Why would you want to do something like that? Because it's strong. I've been doing some research. As far as I know, the Freedom is the most powerful mobile suit out there. It even defeated the Destroy. So, if I want to improve my skills, I can't think of a better opponent to practice against. In case anything happens, I think it's important that somebody at Zaft knows how to take it out. As it stands, no one knows what it'll do next. Shit! What's wrong with you? Atherin, and you cool it too. Personally, I believe that Shin's line of thinking makes a good deal of sense. The freedom is powerful. I don't know what its true intentions are, but I do know it's not part of our military. Shin's scenario is not unthinkable. Even if this machine fought alongside you in the past. Yes, but Kira's not our enemy! What?! Are you sure of that? He attacked our ship at the Dardanelles, and because of his actions, Heine lost his life. And you yourself were shot down by him. Although it's up to headquarters to decide who we fight, no one has told us he isn't our enemy. I think we need to prepare ourselves in case we come up against him again. In light of your past experience with it, we'd be grateful for any advice you could give us, if that's all right, that is. Welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode episode Gundam Seed podcast that now has to watch Destiny. My name is Jeremy. I'm as responsible for Heine Wessenflus's death as Kira Yamato. I'm Tyler. I was vindicated and I'm not crazy. My name is Zach. Well, your eye is the oblivion machine. If you don't take in the story, it never actually happens. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Is that a that Batman is a thing? Grant Morrison specifically. After his work on Batman, but it does sound like something he would have put on Batman. If it he does was still... sound like a Grant Morrison thing oh, yes. specifically. Well, at this point, I think so many things have gone through Batman that you could basically describe anything, and odds are probably good it's either Batman or an SCP. As, as my uh, favorite comic book critic, Chris Sims, likes to say, we are in the era of weird Batman. <laughs> <laughs> we ever left it? I mean, it, we were not there. The 90s was not weird Batman. The 90s was very standard Batman, as was the early 2000s. We have ah. re-entered, maybe, the era of yeah. weird Batman. Yeah, I think that's fair. 
with uh, the way DC Comics are going soon, all they're going to publish is Batman. So what are they just canning everything uh, else? Th- have you not heard anything about the big AT and T Warner shakeup that's going on? I no, have not. No. Oh, uh, well, AT and T bought Warner. They assumed a bunch of debt when they did that. They have not been able to release any movies this year for you know obvious oh. reasons, and they were already planning on cutbacks. And DC Comics, which is owned by Warner, was the first big loss. They fired about thirty percent of DC staff. Wow. And we're already planning on canceling comics later this year. That happens all the time, but they're not being replaced with anything. The batch of comics is getting canceled in, I think, October now because of the they got pushed back for not doing comics for three months. Interesting. And now Disney owns Marvel, yeah. so it's only a matter of time before Disney consumes the planet. Yeah, yes. Well, we're going to end up with what way things are looking. We're going to end up with the th- big three companies duking it out. Amazon, Disney, and Sony. Oh, yeah. Uh, also, Warner Brothers is trying to sell Crunchyroll to Sony. Google doesn't get a place in that, or do they get absorbed by Amazon in this I'm, dystopian future? I'm pretty sure they're just absorbed <laughs> by Amazon, or they're pieced out by the other three. That's fair. So I work for a big tech company. Who do I fall under? Because I feel like it's Disney. Whoever doesn't buy Lyft. You, you work in a service thing. I'm not sure any of them are... I'd probably say Sony, actually. Yeah, uh, Because yeah. Sony are the only ones who are doing anything, doing a lot with uh, hard, like, hard copy or brick and mortar stuff. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and self-driving cars definitely seems like a thing Sony would have tried in the 90s. So we are watching episode 34, The World Revealed. Rao reveals it all again. <laughs> I actually think we're kind of at the peak of Gundam Seed Destiny, to be honest, because I liked this episode. I liked the last two episodes fairly well. I like the next episode. After that, we might take a skip. I don't know. The next... But I can see a path that like has 10 good episodes in a row. <laughs> now, there are two in there that I'm pretty sure nothing happens in because I can't remember anything happening in them. <laughs> I but... remembered this speech. I did not remember the speech being this long. And like I really like the next episode. There's a lot going on there. Uh, this one was actually just kind of okay with me, I think, because the speech kind of dragged on a little bit. Well, that was the thing. It's like, I remember the speech. It's really important. It's just, it's like, it's a 20-minute episode with a 15-minute speech. <laughs> I mean, I do like the fact that he has, like, a docudrama <laughs> taking down logos. <laughs> That's pretty good. We'll get there. But So if you're starting here for some reason, there are two sides. The Earth Alliance, which is led by a terrible Bond villain named Jabril. He has bad eyeliner and tried to take over the world by burning it down, even though he already owns it. And the president of space, Durundle, he's a cool guy who only tried to assassinate one pop star with a special forces team. And no one can even prove he did that. For the greater good, even, probably. They're at war because God hates genetic modification. But as we'll find out this episode, they're actually at war because of money. Like a James Bond villain. (laughs) (laughs) The three main characters are Kira Jesus Yamato. He stopped the last war between space and Earth, but it didn't last because he used violence. And now he's just very melancholy about it and trying to figure out what to do and why his best friend who helped him do that is fighting against him again and why his girlfriend left him for space. See, the reason it didn't work the first time is because while he tried to use the method of peace through superior firepower, he didn't use enough firepower. And that's how that is. That, that always works. I was going to say, if it's not peaceful yet, you're not using enough firepower. To be fair, by the end of that war, he had no firepower. Exactly, <laughs> which is why he didn't use enough. I think he should have just had lack of soliloquy harder. I think that would have worked. Second is Atherin. I never betrayed anyone. Zala. He was a uh, ace in the space army, but because Kiro is his best friend, he left to be in the neutral army. But then he got really frustrated that he didn't have a cool giant robot. So he went back to the space army and Kira said, no, bad Atherin and chopped up his giant robot. I feel like Atherin's also considering joining the neutral army again at this point, but I honestly don't know. 
And then there's Shen, I sunk your battleship, Asuka. He's a very angry boy who is the new cool space ace. He's so cool, he did a treason and got away with it. But then he had a weird relationship with this autistic girl who was thrown into a giant death robot and destroyed everything. And Kira killed her, so now he's kind of upset. Kira killed her and saved Shin's life. And also Also, untold millions. Mm -hmm. Also all of Germany. Yeah, also the rest the rest of Germany, some of Germany was beyond saving. She is incredibly upset about the death of this one girl, not the millions of people she killed. That's because Shin is a terrible teenager. Yes, he has probably hasn't even thought about the fact that he's probably technically responsible for all those deaths because he gave back the cool girl to the I guess they could have thrown Sting in the no, death see, robot. I, I I think I mentioned it last week. I don't actually put Shin on the hook for this one. Put Neo on it? Because Actually, if I want to be honest, I put Jabril on. Okay, yeah, Jabril's obviously the because like if Neo refused, Jabril would have somebody else do it. If they didn't have Stella, they'd use Sting. This was probably going to happen regardless of the characters we've seen already because of like what we know about Jabril. But guys, we could send Sting on a solo mission, and then it'd be a Sting operation. I I almost did a spoilers. (laughs) So that is one of the situations where. I don't actually think the main characters are on the hook for this, okay. although I think the way the series might want you to think I is I don't that think the Shin... series wants you to either. I don't think um, there's that. I, and I, I think you're probably right. Honestly. I do think Shin feels partially responsible for Stella's death because he gave her back, but he's deflecting that on to yeah. Kira. Well, I he refuses to engage in introspection at any point in his life, and I, I think that's Shin's problem. I'm just saying if Kira or Atherin did that, they would hang themselves for the millions of deaths they caused, <laughs> even though they didn't actually. Yeah, well, I'm... I'm I, I agree with you there, but that's because uh, Kira and Atherin both believe that, you know, they have a god complex, so they also would blame themselves if there was an eclipse and the sun didn't come up. Also, there's Neo Mula fucking Roanoke. He was a (laughs) commander in the Earth forces. Then he defected to the neutral army and exploded and got blown up and died in the vacuum of space. And And then then he went back to. Yeah, then got promoted to (laughs) captain of the Earth forces. But Kira Jesus Yamato was like, oh, hey, that's my foster mom's boyfriend. I should save him. They grabbed him and threw him on the. Not my cool uncle, my foster mom's boyfriend. Well, yeah, now. I, mean, I guess, I guess. Uh, Cool Aunt Maru is cool. Cool Uncle Moo and Cool Aunt Maru. <laughs> I, I did like that from the last episode. Mar- Maru, you deal with this. <laughs> Anything I missed? Millie's on the Archangel. Lacus is in space, and, and Lacus- also Lacus is in space. I, I mentioned that. The, the Lacusai are in space. The yeah. Lacus- oh, yeah, okay. The, the Lacopides are in space. Yeah, the Lacopides. Um, the Lactopi, possibly. <laughs> I feel like that's an eight-armed Lacus that I don't have the fan art for. And if I don't have the fan art of Lacus Klein, then it does not exist. Uh, I, th- I think that's a that's a pretty good synopsis. Patrick Zala is dead. Yes. The world true. was at peace. So we start this episode at the lake where Cloud threw Eris's body after Sephiroth killed her. Shin has gone there with Stella's body, which he is starting to come to terms with. Kind of. That's probably not going to make your cockpit smell too good. You might want to get an air freshener. Yeah, she, she's pretty fresh, to be fair. Tip, you know what happens when someone yeah. dies, Yeah, oh, that's right? true. <laughs> yeah, but she's a cyborg. Do we even know if yeah, she, she may not eat food? I don't know. <laughs> and she's really, and she's like covered in blood. That's so true. She probably smells better than Sister on. So anyway, Shen, realizing he has killed this girl by inaction, decides that he needs to get rid of the body. And knowing that she can't swim, decides the best <laughs> way to do it is to throw her to the bottom of the lake. And because she loves hanging out near water, people will just assume she fell in and drowned. I like how I was having a flashback to all the good times he had with her. And it's literally the all the times they interacted fit in this one flashback. Yeah, well, I mean, 
That's because they didn't really interact with each other at all. Yeah, no, that's my point. <laughs> Specifically, I do like the fact that he flashes back to saying, you said you protect me, which is also the last thing she said before she died. The last thing she said is, I love you, to be fair. Yeah, okay, that is fair. the last thing that she said, which See? we get a flashback to here. <laughs> I do like how we're starting here Instead with of just getting the last time on. I really well, like this opening. Although um, I'm not sure how he gets the arm to pivot out like he does to, to drop her body off it's like fine. outside of the cockpit. He's a super ace. He programs it on a delay. So anyway, he has gone from Final Fantasy VII speak to Final Fantasy X speak, where he's like, oh, now that you're dead, there's no more suffering or fear. And really, we should just let Sin kill everyone. And then he errants her. Because she was a beautiful snowflake. The snow is falling. And this is a proper burial for a girl, right? Just throw her in the lake. <laughs> it's fine. She had no known family, I guess. I'm just expecting... And like- then- like so as they're dropping him off it flashes back to shin carrying her through like the burning remains of berlin as all these guys are like i was like well i'm not gonna stop that guy i don't know what he's doing but but he looks so angry and talia and arthur basically where the fuck is he going again again and it tells her to rest here in peace and we see the seashell as she sinks into the bottom of the lake for, like, honestly way too long, like, I kept expecting her to wake up and, like, zombie at him or something. <laughs> I'm a cyborg, I'm <laughs> yeah, fine! They really <laughs> kind of pad this out. And I think if if the rest of the episode, if they didn't have that, like, 15-minute speech, this wouldn't feel so bad. I actually f- I don't have any problems with the pacing of this episode. It feels like you need to take time with this to make it feel like Shin isn't just over it. I think the other problem is the fact that, like... As we've already mentioned, there's not a lot of actual interactions between yes. Shin and Stella. We've harped on that a thousand times because yeah. it's true. I do like that he's sitting here crying for so long that he's like covered in a pretty good layer of snow. Well, him by the and time the Gundam. Yeah, I do. I like that as a time fade. That's pretty good. And then he wakes up and he's Dr. Wywe. <laughs> yeah, he's got the full on rage face. Well, he's got the zigzag eyebrows, which is how you know he just performed a heel turn. Well, because it can't possibly be his fault. It has to be somebody else's fault. Exactly. Yeah, because yeah, he's a shitty teenager. Yeah, Shin never engages in introspection. It, it just doesn't happen. So there we get the opening. It's still pretty good. Except for that one part. That one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one right there. You know which one we're talking about, listeners. Unless this is your first episode, in which case, just watch the opening. You'll know which one we're talking you can, about. You can probably find it. <laughs> I can't wait till next opening where it's all the parts. <laughs> yeah, but if it's everything, it's not quite as egregious. Exactly. Yeah, when everything's terrible, nothing's terrible. Or True. nothing's exceptionally terrible. Uh. And so we go through, like, the Zaft forces, like, trying to assist survivors like, and, like... And clean uh, up the dead. Retrieve bodies. I specifically like how a couple of them, like, there's a kid and a couple of the Zaft forces run over and, like, pick them up. And we see a lot of refugee camp sort of imagery, a bunch of tents set up, Zaft soldiers feeding people. Cut to Gladys and Talia. Or, yeah, Gladys and Talia. <laughs> Talia and Arthur being like, have the Earth forces gone crazy? Like, what was this? They attacked civilians. Yeah, yeah there, it, it, there was no reason to. And Arthur has a weird moment of being serious and clear where he's like, I agree with the chairman. I want this war to end. I don't hate naturals. But when things like this happen, I feel like there are people we need to eliminate quickly so that this doesn't happen again. Which is also kind of the philosophy that Kira came to eventually. Uh-huh. Well, that's why, as we pointed out, he decided, like, Rao needs to die. Over the speech, we see Shin streaming some Gundam seed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Atherin being, like, a good commander 
comrade type of thing goes to find Shin to talk to him. I like that he hesitates at his door. He's like, ah, do I really want to do this? And well, then he goes through with it. He's not really social savvy. And I also get the feeling where he's basically decided Shin kind of hates my guts. You know, I just realized something, which is I've always turned this as, ah, Ray's in Shin's room. They can get conspiracy, even though they have the same room. Yeah, they bunked like, together. Yeah, I literally just realized <laughs> this right now before I said that. So Ray salutes. I also love how it's dark, like, because he's a brooding teenager who doesn't <laughs> want to turn the lights on. And Ray's just looking over his shoulder. And, and he's like, hey, Jin, Atherin's here. And he has a completely disinterested O. The dub for this is amazing. Is Shin going, that's nice. <laughs> like not even like oh great it's just like yes mom yeah sure whatever <laughs> i'll take out the trash after this <laughs> so he watches he's surprised shin. that shin is doing like mock battles against the freedom and the stats that they have on it well he just sees the freedom on it and he's like hey what's up and uh he's like i just can't deal with it he turns when as soon as the camera sees him he turns to it so quickly and Ray's like yeah and he's using the thrusters really well it's like an extension of his own body and she's like, yeah, it has more thrust than the impulse, but he can still control it better than I can. <laughs> me, me and Jeremy, because like I'm this kind of nerd, ended up talking about this on the way down. Of how much more powerful is the freedom really than the impulse? Someone may have looked up generator and thrust numbers. Did you find anything useful? The I found it, all the information on the freedom, but the impulse was too limited to really okay. yeah, The impulse doesn't have like the thrust numbers or anything like that for us to find. We know it weighs more than the freedom does. It's about 78 tons versus the Freedom 71 tons. Well, that might actually make a fair amount of difference if you're trying to move that much weight around. Although, like, it's weird because almost all the battles in this take place in atmosphere, whereas, like, most of the battles in Seed took place in space. So Not most of the battles in Seed, but by the time the Freedom was a factor. That's fair. Except for that one, like, iconic moment with the Freedom. Yes. So Athens like, what are you two doing? And Shin literally brushes him off. He's like, well, as you can see, I am engaging in mock battles with the Freedom, because as far as I'm aware, it's the most powerful mobile suit in existence. It destroyed the Destroy. I, I kind of hate agreeing with Shin, especially when he's in this particular mode, but well, he's not wrong. Yeah, like, both they he don't, and Ray actually have pretty good points, I think. They don't actually know what the plan of Freedom is operating under, the like the motivations they're operating under, so it makes sense to prepare to go into combat against it. Yeah, this is one of the few times we've talked about it a lot, how in Seed, the conflict between Atherin and Kira is always really clear, and you could be on both sides. This is one of the few times where Atherin and Shin are in conflict, and I genuinely very much get both sides. Catherine still doesn't see Kira and the Archangel as an enemy. Of course, he also knows what their plan is because it's the same plan they had before. Which is Warriors of Peace. And they've said exactly what their plan is. But who honestly is going to believe somebody running around doing that? Like, the only reason... Especially when you're an angry teen. Yeah, exactly. Especially when you're Shin, the angriest teen. I was going to say, one of the reasons I think, like, we don't like Shin here, one, because he's being brusque. Also, we know his ulterior motive is to get revenge more than anything. Well, it's because he's blaming Kira for this, for killing Stella when, going back to that episode, Kira was saving Shin's life. And also, you know, again... The thousands and millions of people that she would have killed if she'd been let loose. Yep. I mean, she already leveled most of Berlin, and, uh... Okay, Google, what's the population of Berlin? We can round it to about 4 million plus or minus survivors. People that Stella has killed. Plus the two other cities, apparently, that she leveled. I don't as know. As well as all of the troops that were stationed there. That's a huge death toll, and Shin is concerned with this one person who actually committed the act. Yep. Or who pulled the trigger. 
Yeah, on the other hand, though, every other time Shin and Atherin have fought, you know, Shin's just been like, wah. Whereas this time, he's at least making points that, as Zach said, are good points. Yep. Where he's like, it's the strongest mobile suit there is. I can't think of a better opponent if I'm going to do this virtual sparring. And it's important somebody in Zaf know how to defeat them in case we need to. Yeah, unfortunately, at one point, Atherin could have, but... Not and anymore. I do also like that it is showing initiative on Shin's part here. He's clearly preparing for a combat against this thing. Yeah, I kind of wish we had seen this in the past. Again, I've talked about how the series is definitely trying to show Shin is a good pilot, and it's just always not quite done it. And I think saying Shin is a pilot who does his homework is a good way to do yeah that. i mean it's, it, it would also especially differentiate Shin from Atherin and Kira because those are supposed to be at least from Gundam C, they're both like naturally gifted, really good pilots. And having Shin show like he's a really good pilot, but he also does his homework to prepare for things, like that would also be a really cool way to give Shin a little bit more character and also show that he takes his job as a soldier a lot more seriously than he seems to. That's a really good point too, because then when he breaks orders, it feels like he's coming to this big decision and not like he's just a angsty teen who does what he wants which is currently what we're getting out of him and would also make it make a little bit more sense why they don't immediately throw the book at him when he does Mm -hmm. because he is a good soldier until like these couple of infractions yeah anyways like we can't tell what the freedom is gonna do uh atherin gets physically upset and grabs him and just like hey what's your problem man and ray's like okay cool off it's me, Raves a Barrel, the cool guy. <laughs> Atherin, Shin's got a point. He's not wrong because the freedom is dangerous to everybody who's not actually it. Well, on all, it's a dangerous to all sides. And he's like, yeah, it, it could come the day where we need to fight it. It attacked us at the Dardanelles. One of the things he says, it's also responsible for Heine's death. Yeah, well, he, that's coming up. Well, he did attack the ship at the Dardanelles when it destroyed the Lohengrin. It did kill, or the Tonhauser. it did kill people. But, like... Ray tries to use Heine against them again, and we've said it already a dozen times or more. That's not on Kira. They wanted to make it on Kira. That's why they keep bringing it up. But it's not Kira's fault. It's especially weird after last episode, or I guess two episodes ago now, actually. Atherin was like, Stella killed Heine, but they seem to have backtracked it. It might be a thing of different writers writing different episodes, which, of course, is going to happen when you have to put one out every week. Well, and Um, it's Ray saying it. and, And again, Ray... I don't want to get too much into him, but I can very much believe him being like, hey, that Kira asshole killed Heine and him knowing full well what happened and sort of saying that. Well, because he wants to manipulate Shin into doing whatever the hell Shin's going to do, right? That's really taken, I think, exaggerated here because we've seen a number of times where Ray's like, I'll talk to Shin later. I'll take care of it. And then he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like here's where that it's really clear that's a pattern where they bring that back up. So he's like, yeah, we have to prepare ourselves, which that's not wrong. They should be prepared for it. And, and then, then Ray's, Ray's like, like, how would you kill your best friend, Atherin? <laughs> Could we get <laughs> your advice on this? I'm pretty sure you're the only one to shoot him. Down. I guess two people have shot him down. But one's the dead guy I'm not cloned from. I wouldn't say Rao actually shot him down. I feel like the freedom is pretty shot down at the end of that fight. Look, Kira walks away from that fight. So he's definitely the winner. But I'm pretty <laughs> sure I would call that shot down. He has no limbs. But it was functional. It could not move. It could have self-destructed, though. I don't think it had life support either, because Kira's just, like, floating in the vacuum of space in his suit. How many times does Amaro do that? Not that many, I don't think. Yeah, I feel like that's a very Amaro move out of the Amaro playbook, if you will. I mean, the ending of Gundam Seed is very influenced by the ending of Mobile Suit Gundam, which has a similar moment. 
Anyway, Ray's like, yeah, so how would you murder your best friend? You didn't do it last time, but... And Chin's like, never mind. I don't want advice from losers who lost. Yeah, and <laughs> someone who lost the battle is no good to me. Shin, you've lost Shin, multiple yeah. times. Let, let, let's let's look at your record against the freedom so far, Shin. You got your ass handed to it the first time when he wasn't even acknowledging you as a threat. You dodged him once, and then Atherin promptly took him away to fight over on the corner while you didn't actually engage with him. To be fair, upward trend. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. But you can't say Shin has actually beaten the freedom at this point or done anything other than maybe the freedom hasn't even really acknowledged him as a threat yet Uh, again though i feel like dodging the freedom is the most anyone's done to it since raul the crusade that's fair and kira's like oh wow like i dodged uh well (laughs) atherin was fighting him on on an even keel for like the first couple of times they fought because the first couple of times the one time well when he showed up like obviously he went toe-to-toe with the freedom like although granted i don't think Kira, Kira was, was busy debating Atherin at the time. I, think, <laughs> I, I don't think either one was really trying in that first fight. Yeah, you're like, ugh. But the, uh. but the point is, they were both there, and they were both fighting against each other. That's the same battle where Shin lost an arm, and Kira, I don't even think, really noticed he went past the impulse. Yep, he cut it down just like any other ship he was cutting down, so... I do actually like this moment from Shin, though, because, again, they're trying to drive home that what he respects his power, and I do like that as a thing for a shitty teenager to be into and we'll get a later scene with luna that also say so is he, getting into that he and Yun Izak would have gotten along yes. very well <laughs> and especially because they've already basically given him free reign by pardoning him of his treason earlier which is something else to get into with luna so atherin walks off in a huff is like well i'm gonna go turn on some lights i would love if he turned on the light just to spite them <laughs> on the way out that would be pretty funny <laughs> click talk about petty so anyway, Atherin walks off into a- Huff, and yeah, Mayrin's like, oh no, my Angry crush. walks past Mayrin. And she's like, oh, he's so hot when he's mopey. And we cut back to Shin, and Shin has a flashback of dropping Cell on the water, and he's like, I'm gonna punch that freedom. guy in the face. Cut to the freedom on board the Archangel. And cut to an IV, which is sticking into one neo Mulathaga Roanoke. Wait, Maru is uh, kind of depressed staring at him, and I do like how... Maru and Murdoch are both here because Mu was obviously somebody who was important to everybody on the Archangel because I think we made the joke before that Maru is team mom and Mu <laughs> is team dad. Yeah. But like having Murdoch be there as like kind of moral support, especially because they were working together. So at least this might be me projecting. They're probably a bit closer than they were during that period. So Maru's like, well, he woke up when his injuries retreated, but all he said was he was Captain Neo Roanoke. Of the 81st Autonomous Squad. Which is accurate, right? I was going to ask how much of a, like, free agent we think that the Phantom Pain was. I mean, there's details about it. Stargazer is basically about the Phantom Pain unit prior to Neo Roanoke's. They are pretty independent, but they are the 81st Autonomous Mobile Squadron. That is, So they are technically a part of the Earth Forces. Yeah. Anyway, she's like, yeah, but after his physical, it's a 100% natch for the data we have in the ship for Mula Flaga. What if he was just a clone, though? I'm assuming there's probably a bit more to it, but... And that's what she actually says, is that it's Mulaflog, at least his body is. So they're like, how do you explain this? And I that, love how it's Kira who says, simply put, he's our commander, right? No, it's uh, it's Murdoch. I thought it was Kira. No, it's Murdoch, because Kira would call him Mu, and he does. Yeah, Mur- Murdoch's like, it's the commander. 
right? And <laughs> Kira says, yeah, no mistake well, about it. Well, we're getting a perspective <laughs> shot from Neo. Neo starting to and wake up. I do love how it's, it's a very <laughs> moo thing he says when he wakes up is, when did I become a commander? Yeah. Just because you've captured me doesn't give you the right to demote me. <laughs> Which I love. <laughs> it's an amazing ride. Line. I do. Yeah. I, and, you know, uh, Maru basically panics, knocks over her stool. Yeah, and they're and all staring at him. Well, Very soap opera dramatic. Well, because he sounds, it's the same, yeah. it's the voice. It's like, this is, dude is dead. Yeah, and Maru starts crying because she, well, she just does not know what to do. Yeah. And he's like, what did I say, hot stuff? Yeah, like, he looks very concerned for a moment and he decides to play it off as a joke, which, again, it's very Moolah Flaga. Yeah, yeah, it's very Moolah Flaga. <laughs> yeah, is it love at first sight? Obviously, very Moo expression on his face, and Maru can't take it and runs out of the room, which... And he's like, like what makes did I do? A, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yep. I love how Kira defends his mom. It's like, Moo, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, dude, <laughs> what the fuck, man? Not thinking, oh yeah, that's exactly what Moo would do. But <laughs> Moo did not do a lot of flirting in front of Kira. And at the same time, Moo would read the yeah, read the room. Read the room a bit better. Yeah, but Neo's just like, who is Moo? I'm Neo Roanoke. I'm and I think, Neo like, of fucking Roanoke. Because it, it zooms in on Kira's expression. And I think it really like that brings down that like this is not mentally the same guy. And Maru is just having a total breakdown in the hallway when <laughs> Millie comes Millie out. And Millie walks by, just like, oh shit, Maru, are you alright? Okay, well, we're gonna... I mean, it makes a lot of sense, because, like, again, this dude is supposed to be dead. And Murdoch's like, like, is it amnesia? And Kira's like, no, it's not like he lost his memory. It's like he has a completely different one. And as, you know, he's staring at his handcuffs, like, I love can I get out of the... I don't think so. I love how he's glaring at them. And Murdoch and Kira are continuing their discussion about it while Millie takes Maru elsewhere. But Kira's like, yeah, that's Moo. My, my new type Flash told me so. And Murdoch's like, well, but if he doesn't have a memory, it's just going to be harder for the, the captain. captain. While Millie is comforting Maru as they're walking away. And then we get the eye catch. Hello, all you cool cats and frogs. Thank you for listening to this, episode 33, wherein we find out Neo's true identity, a cool flirts guy. We have no new announcements this week, but I have a question that I would like you, our loyal listeners, to answer. So, this episode, we find out the true names of many of the upper crust of Logos. We talk about it a little bit at the end of the episode, but I'm curious what your favorite made-up name revealed at the end of the episode is. Mine is obviously Lally McWilliams, because what? Also, if you haven't yet had a chance to go give us a five-star rating on iTunes, we'd appreciate that because it helps other people find the show, so we get more cool nerds to talk about Gundam with. Also, thanks to everyone who supports us on Patreon. It really means a ton to us that anyone does it all. And with that, back to the episode. It feels like it came really early this episode, too. Like, it didn't? It's, it's about halfway through the episode. It just yep. feels like everything is... Because the series is moving quickly. I know, and it's has nice. pacing. <laughs> and all of those scenes are both new and important. And some of them are emotionally affecting. It's nice. So we cut to the, the bay of the Minerva, where the mechanics are like, let's do repairs. And by that, I mean get out the catalog and request new machines. Yeah, they, they basically say it'd be easier and cheaper for us to just get new machines. Can we fix the Zakus? Maybe. What about the Savior? No. <laughs> this thing is too saviored for us to fix. So Atherin is moping about how his protege is trying to kill his best friend. And he's staring at the Impulse's dumbass fucking catapult. When Luna Maria. Luna Maria comes in wearing her jacket and no shirt. 
This is the outfit she's been wearing since yeah, she's been injured. I know. I just have always assumed there's a shirt under that because I've never noticed her navel. Uh, oh. I have multiple times. Okay. So. Well, <laughs> I'm with Jeremy. I assumed there was a shirt underneath that. I feel but like no, it is literally just jacket, sling, and skirt. So, so which actually, might be part of why I found it so attractive before. She's actually wearing like a shift or like a camisole or something. You okay. can't see it under the jacket. It just and like there's so much sling there that it. Yeah, there's a lot of sling. Well, there's a lot of bandages. Really, Luna Maria should really be in sick bay. Yeah, she's too peppy to be in sick bay. <laughs> or at the sure. very least in her quarters, because she got pretty badly screwed up. Yeah, but she has to go make fun of Mayrin for not visiting her, and she yeah. can't do that while being visitable. Yeah, and what if Atherin starts going for Mayrin while she can't flirt with him? She can't have that. <laughs> so she's like, what are you brooding about? And Atherin's like, I'm not brooding. And she's like, yeah, you are. And she's like, Shin doesn't believe he did anything wrong. Yeah, huh? she, I like she how found she says it. that while smiling. Well, because it's kind of true. Shin doesn't, like you said, doesn't look and do any introspection, despite the fact that he has consistently done shit wrong. Anyway, Luna's like, yeah, he's pretty awesome, but if he's just allowed to do anything, that'll create discontent among the pilots. So Athens like, so you're saying you're discontented and you want me to talk about the cap, or talk to the captain about it, because you think I can do something about it. And she's like, no, become space president. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do like how she phrases it as, I want you to do what you're capable of, and really it's like, Dude, you are a member of faith. You can do, you actually do have authority. Fucking use it. I like how she's like, no, I'm using human empathy. The thing I get because I'm not a super ace. And thus I'm allowed to have to realize that is what your problem is. But you are a member of faith and can do it. You have earned the power and authority. And like, you just need to show us you're skilled because that will shut Shin up. Because Shin only respects power. I do like how Luna Maria is... Like, acting as the conscience, basically, and be like, I understand human emotions for the Zap side. And I do like how she says that Atherin is too nice. Yeah, well, it's exactly <laughs> the thing we've been saying the entire time, is Atherin can do whatever he wants. He can say, fuck you, Gladys, and take the impulse. But he won't. He will respect her in every way. She's like, hey, get out of my office, Atherin. He'll just be like, yes, mom. <laughs> and leave. I do like that she's <laughs> like, I like the fact that you're nice, but, uh... It's a waste Stop. for you to have all that power. Really, the only time he's exercised his faith authority is when go he, meet Kira that yeah, one time. When he went to meet with Kira, and even then he didn't just fuck off and go do it. He told Gladys he was going to. So anyway, Luna's like, hey, you should like, I don't know, go secede from Zaft and like maybe start your own nation. And then Atherin went off and became Space Emperor. <laughs> you know what? This scene really made me realize part of why Atherin acts that way, I think. We don't get a literal flashback to Atherin talking to his dad here. But his dad had unlimited power and authority, I'm and Atherin has seen the way that got wielded. I think he is terrified of becoming. Yeah, that. no, he says it. He says power and authority, or something yeah. to that effect, right after she says this, in yeah. like kind of a like a contemplative tone. And, and I'm sure makes, that's what he's thinking. That about. makes a lot of sense. I hadn't thought of the angle where Atherin has the like the absolute terror of having authority yeah. because of the the idea of you know power corrupts and absolute yeah, his power father was a crazy absolutely. autocrat. Right? Like, he was a crazy person, and also his dad, so. She says, you should do what you want, and I like the idea that, like, to Atherin, that is the most terrifying thing. She doesn't really get that, yeah. is it? Yeah, because she's trying to <laughs> Atherin has on. an expression on his face that's like, god damn it, why'd you fart? <laughs> and Luna's like, oh no, did I fart? So cut to the president's office, there are a bunch of TV cameras, they're doing makeup, they're like, is everything ready? And so Durandal's like, is my chest set in the shot? It's very important my <laughs> chest set be in the shot. We get a shot of Mir looking actually really depressed here. Like, is that supposed to imply that she's not comfortable with her role in this, or... I'm not sure if it's supposed to be that she's uncomfortable with her role, the knowledge that the real Akis is on the move, 
or that she's just like desperately trying not to forget her lines here. Like, I don't know, but from what I understand of the character, I think it's just, I think she is uncomfortable with her role in this. Yeah, I think specifically, and this is me reading into it, she's like, the real Lacus is not in agreement. Like, when I signed out, I thought she was retired somewhere, and I was doing this for her because, you know, she doesn't want to be in the limelight anymore, and she's earned that. But now I know that she is acting against us in some way, and... I kind of feel like that is in opposition to her previous reaction to Lacus, though, so I'm like, I'm not sure she's actually introspected, because she's not a terrible teenager. Yeah, and that's my take is that she was angry at first because you know she's being staged up these things are being taken from her but then she thinks about it and is like and uh, realizes I that get- her gut reaction wasn't quite the one that she actually wanted as well as probably coming up with the thought of like we don't know exactly what Durundal like ended up telling her about why not just ask the real Lacus? because it's possible he asked he told Mir that he did and Lacus said, not right now. And Lacus is like, well, here are the rights to my image and my songs, <laughs> but I don't want to be personally involved. Again, this is a read on my part, and it is somewhat informed by future events, but I don't know that there's ever a real, like, deliberate answer on it. Yeah, like, I'm really interested in Mir's character, and I would have loved if the show had spent some more time with her. Well, like, I, I think I've said before, I think Mir is the one character in Destiny with a full arc that I think is well-written and realized. So, yeah. like, yes, we got your damn ch- uh, set in the shot. Let's go. Why are they doing this as a live broadcast? Because like me, Gundam Seed Destiny loves the idea of hijacking all the TV channels and broadcasting your message. (laughs) I am brilliant. I am great. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's the Joker taking over. Do not adjust your set. And Batman, you better hurry. I love this shit. And so does the Rundle. I think this is just a way to like tell as many people as possible, because as he's going to say, you know, I think is... it's a way to get through uh, logos fucking with the TV but channels. Wh- but why not pre-record it and then just broadcast that in the exact same way? Because, like, what if Mir had, like, tripped while walking over well, to how him? Do you, how do we know this is live? How do we know they didn't do that? I mean, there will be stuff okay. later that's definitely live. So. Yeah, th- it fair. is possible that this that the broadcast is actually not happening in sync. That's fair. Although, Although I think, I think we're we supposed are supposed to believe, to believe it that is. it is. Yeah. <laughs> because this is way more dramatic, Tyler. I know, and, and that's the only reason I can come up with. And this... I think makes Durandal feel more like a character, which I think is important. It makes him feel more like a human and less like this is scripted. Because, like, I think there's fictionally a layer of removal when you see someone on TV in a TV show in a way that we're not just seeing that. We are seeing Durandal film it because Durandal is one of the most important characters in Destiny. That's fair. So anyway, he's like, I... Like his, like, like his Klein, like saying my name. I'm the president of Space Gilbert Durand. I mean, actually, this makes sense because they're broadcasting it to everybody. And so, like, a, some of the people on Earth probably don't know who he is. I mean, who's Britain's prime minister himself. right now? Boris, what's his last name? Yes, yeah, see? Exactly. No, so, I, I can picture him. <laughs> no, I didn't hear what you said. Yeah, who's, Britain? who's Britain's prime minister right now? Boris Johnson? Johnson, is that it? Yeah. It's such a boring last name, that's why I couldn't remember. I, I guess but my no, point is... I, I definitely get this as for people in other countries. Yeah. yeah. I know Britain's, I can't I can't. I couldn't tell you Australia's. I, I can't remember Australia's or Germany's. And those are the two that I, I knew. I, I can picture recently. Germany's, but I could not say her name. Yeah, I, I can't remember her name. But yeah, like I don't know. Besides, you know, Putin, although like you have basically two sides. So like I believe people would know who the two major leaders but are. But there are still like countries in this setting. We just don't hear or care about them. Like, we do a little. We, Eurasia is important in this. Yeah, the kingdom speech. of Scandinavia. Yeah, there's probably obviously. a good chunk of them that are. 
not at the forefront of these, so they may not really know them because of the <laughs> fact that they're not really being affected. Here. Hey, did you see that Orb's president flew out and gave a speech over the <laughs> uh, Straits of did Gibraltar? Did you see that our Orb's president was kidnapped and then brought back? <laughs> I want to peel the curtain behind on a joke I just made real quick. I came up with the chest shot in frame joke today when I was watching the dub to pull clips for this episode. I did not realize, because I was mostly listening it to pull clips and only occasionally looking up, that he literally has the chest set in it's the right shot there. that's yeah. that important to his image. I like how it's also mid-game. Is this Has he been playing the same game the entire time? That's my question. No, see, I would love if it was like a mistake, like the chest set was supposed to have been removed, like you could see a boom mic or something. <laughs> so he's like, hey, please forgive me for hijacking all the waves, but... We- we get a shot of a dude like, what the fuck happened to my phone? But uh, please take a moment to listen to what I have to say. I promise it's important re- revelatory. So Mayron spins around and is like, Captain, Chairman Durandal is sending an urgent message from the plants using all forms of media. It's on TV and radio and Twitch and TikTok. <laughs> Somebody's tweeting it 120 <laughs> characters at a time. It's on Tumblr. I thought they were gone. It's on all our future social medias. It's in the Discord. It's on all of the Discord channels. <laughs> I really want, like, Derundel to have his own private Discord that, like, he invites people to. Secret uh, chess plans. You know, I... Oh, it's just fate. I kind of want... It's just him sending, like, cat pictures to Atherin and Gladys. I kind of want one of us, when we release this episode, and it would probably have to be Jeremy, to... Once we release this episode, just start putting that into the Discord. <laughs> I do like the idea th- to think that Durandal got the Reddit detectives to figure out the people who are going to show up later. But Although, we'll, th- we'll talk about that later. Um, one thing I did like throughout this entire episode, actually, is every time we get an establishing shot of the Minerva, it's still really fucked up. It is, yeah. Actually, they, they haven't had an opportunity to fix the Minerva, so they constantly are showing it in really bad condition. Even earlier, we got Atherin, like, out on the, I don't know what you call that. I, the foredeck? Yeah. The brooding deck? The brooding deck, whatever. yeah. But, but it's yeah, so beat up there, yeah, They constantly, like, the, the Minerva hasn't been, like, glossed over its battle damage at all in here. So it's still really banged up. And I like the fact that they consistently show it that way. That's actually something I wanted to point out really quick. It's actually the first note I have on this episode because I was thinking about this in between the last time we recorded. Their attention to detail in this series is, like, surprisingly good. And, like, something we used to do in Seed a lot was, like, pause on really dumb-looking frames. Destiny doesn't really have any. Well, Destiny has the advantage of Gundam Seed made a ton of money, so they've got a huge budget. And we'll talk about this a lot when we end Destiny, I think. Destiny has a lot going for it it's one of the reasons i think it's a very middling gundam series and not a bad it's just that it's a very frustrating series especially after gundam seed if you're comparing the two and it's a very disappointing series i think when you get to the end which makes it stick out more than a mediocre series yeah because you can see the things that are like being set up and everything and then it's like all right just gotta wait for the payoff episode 50 rolls around you forgot a few things (laughs) yeah and I, i guess my point was though is like they really did a good job with the animation in yeah. the show in like yeah. a way that even other big budget shows don't. You can't take that away from it. I think that's absolutely true. And it's a thing we talk about. I've been trying to come up with an excuse to talk about this. But if you listen to it, you know it tonally. They always do a fantastic job with the action in this series. And Seed had a lot of really well choreographed fights, too. We would point them out then as well. But Destiny is on another level. It's got a lot of the best like Gundam fights of all time, I think. Yeah, it has consistently been pretty good. And... Honestly, there's an upcoming fight that is one of my favorite fights in Gundam, actually. I think it might be number one. 
I'm excited now, so. Yeah. So anyway, Marin's like, uh, Captain, your boyfriend's talking. And she's like, well, I guess you better pipe it through the ship. And make sure everyone listens every to it. Every form of, it's being transmitted via every form of media. Yeah. Guy on the corner, extra, extra. <laughs> it's on Mixer. I thought that was gone. It's on Facebook. It's on the timeline. It's on it MySpace, in- <laughs> the Rundle's page. I'm not sure how, but they're printing new editions of the paper every time he I was going to say you can stream it from word. Napster. <laughs> like- <laughs> But it's misattributed to Patrick Zala. <laughs> no, it's misattributed to Patrick Klein because somebody really fucked up. I was going to say Abraham Lincoln. but <laughs> George Washington. We've got the crew of the Archangel. Like, Maru comes onto the deck as Kira and Kigali and them are all watching it. It's like, what's going on? I'm like, I don't know. The chairman's giving a big speech. I do really like that Talia is like, make sure as many people on board as humanly possible hear this. Well, and she was also, I think, referring to the people who are around the uh, Minerva, because there's a bunch of people who are uh, like just around the Minerva that probably can't necessarily hear it. Yeah. Anyway, we cut to uh, Atherin and Luna who are like, oh, wait, what? The what now? <laughs> well, it, it cuts in as like Atherin has been spacing out for a minute and Luna's like, you okay? He's like, Oh, yeah, I was. I just had a food in the. Oh, God, thank God, a broadcast is starting. I don't have to make an excuse for this. I just had a food. So, anyway, Durandal's giving his. Starting with his TED talk, he's like, Why are we at war? I'm sure many of you are not aware of this because it's not the policy of most nations to share this sort of information. But Berlin got blown up real good. And so they're showing, uh, like, live footage, footage from. Well, it's not live. It's. Well, yeah, no, sorry, not live footage, but footage of the destroyed messing up Berlin, yeah. but it's specifically reused shots. I was going like, to say, hey, this is a good way to use reused shots in your series if you have to. Like, usually I hate seeing reused footage and all that, but here it serves a purpose to the actual plot. The plot. <laughs> so it makes sense. It's not like, oh, like, we're just padding for time. Every time they show it, it actually makes sense because he's reinforcing his point. Although I love this, I love this kid with the space shuttle. Who gets kaiju? Yeah, I know. Pro- proving to me that the destroy was built to destroy Godzilla. <laughs> yeah. I, I just love that it's it's out of place. I actually really like it because if you see, saw something that monstrously large, like well, what like, else would you think? I, I like the fact that it's included because it is out of place. Because we see a bunch of different reactions going through a bunch of different people, and like you said, this is kind of the reaction you would probably end up having. But it's not usually the kind of thing you would see in a series like Gundam War. It's just like the immediate reaction is, oh, God, it's a it's a monster. And I was like, this is the Alliance's new super weapon that for some reason they deployed in Central Eurasia and destroyed a bunch of cities. Cut to Jabril being like, what? How did they get this footage? What? No. What are they doing? They can't do this. This isn't wars. This is my thing. Also, all his screens are to destroy blowing stuff up interestingly he's got some shots of the freedom dodging a bunch of beams so i wonder if this is his personal footage or if somebody put up reused footage by mistake in here because we'll find out in a few minutes that they actually edited the freedom out of the shots that they're showing they might have with expert space photoshop or or jabril might have the actual footage and have that yeah it might be a situation because he's he's specifically looking at his screen when he says that like because he's got a like a laptop type screen so all the other ones could be something else. And like he might have just been sitting there watching it anyway. <laughs> and, the, and then this broadcast came up and he's seeing all this footage being broadcast from outside. Anyway, he's like, intercept the broadcast, cut the lines, jam the tubes. Those are things, right? DDoS them. Now I want to uh, now I want to know about the hackers that Jabril has on staff and like the weird colony of DDoS attacks for misinformation he has. So we just get Jabril basically saying Zaft started to go on defense. 
to stop this giant thing. Well, it's Durandal who's like, we immediately deployed our forces to try to Who did I stop say? it? You said Jabril. Oh, it, I meant We all make I that mistake all the time. But regretfully, many lives were stopped, or many lives were taken before we could well, stop it. Well, I like it. stopped, also <laughs> accurate. <laughs> yes. It was Earth cities that were attacked. So By why? the Earth forces. Yeah. And remember, we stopped it. And so we see a bunch of footage of Earth forces soldiers executing civilians, unrelated to the destroy, as well as a bunch of the shots of everybody celebrating with Shin after he destroyed that force field generator. It was a low anger. He destroyed not a force field generator, but he's like, they claim it was to liberate these places from us, the coordinators, but is it really liberation when you're burning the entire city and the people in them? It's like, yeah, we, it's true that we <laughs> invade these places for humanitarian reasons. Have you seen our Lacus client? Uh, enjoy <laughs> these Lacus boobs. But we only liberated people who wanted to leave Eurasia, which is one of the member nations of the Alliance. I love how they like left the screen on in the sick bay for Moo. Moo gets a lot of really good uh, information from this TV. They just set him up like he's just in a hospital. Because it's just Moo. You want to give him the entertainment? Put rolling NES in there? I do feel like in everybody's head, he's Moo. Like, they can't. They, they can't get it through their heads that he's that not the no same longer. guy. At least someone handcuffed him. Yeah, at least they tied him up. Anyways, like, uh, we just wanted to end this war for the people who wanted to leave it. And that makes Neo think of Stella. Well, because, yeah, those who want to return to a peaceful life. And that's what... So, yeah, we supported people who just want to go with their loved ones instead of the battlefield. So why is this happening? Here are some cute orphans. I do like that all these extremely German people do speak perfect Japanese, though. Well, that's how it always works. The Alliance did a dumb, and we don't like that, so we had to fight back, but the secret is actually the Illuminati! (laughs) (laughs) You're spoiling it. They just wanted independence, but the Alliance all treated them as traitors and killed them all, even the children. And Jabril is like, stop it, stop it now! Why are you letting him broadcast this? He's not supposed to be allowed to do this! It doesn't make any sense. Tumblr doesn't exist anymore. And all of Jabril's brunch friends are like, Jabril, how do you explain this happens? Like, well, I told you last time when I was burning everything, remember? (laughs) You were there. And you're like, that seems a little drastic, but I did it anyway. They're like, this is your fault, Jabril. We're all gonna uh, abandon you. What's the rental planning with this? So there are shots of the impulse fighting to destroy. But as Adam notes, the freedom is not there in the footage. And then it just, it basically explodes because of no reason. Could you imagine the poor person who had to Photoshop that? I like to think (laughs) deep fake technology is good enough now. Yeah, that's fair. I like the idea that because Millie is the only neutral journalist in the entirety of the war, it was actually part of (laughs) Durundle's plan to get her to join the crew of the Archangel so he could manipulate this footage and there would be no one to call him out on it. Although I'm not really sure what editing the freedom out gains him. It is technically a Zaft mobile suit. I suppose the series does want us to think it's famous enough that people know what its deal yeah, is. A lot of Zaft soldiers knew what the freedom yeah. was. So, so it does make sense. A lot, I think a lot of Zaft soldiers and a lot of Earth Forces soldiers and clearly Orb troops know about the freedom. But they so could just remo- been like, we built another one. Well, and removing oh, it. Although I guess that would be illegal because yeah, it's a nuclear power. But it's also like... Removing it, you put more emphasis on the one Zaft mobile suit that was there that stopped it. And you can point to it and say, hey, look, the Minerva and the Impulse kind of in Shin stopped it. And there are guys. Look at this other battleship he just sunk. I mean, it's big enough. I don't even think Shin notices the freedom's been cut out, honestly. Well, he gets angry for some reason. I, no, I think it's just remembering Because it. yeah. remembering Stella died doing it. That's died fair. In the explosion. I don't think he realizes it either. Anyway, Durandal gets so worked up in this stage speech that he stands up and yells, and this is... About peace and people not being allowed to not be peaceful. 
Why are we forbidden to live together, hand in hand, singing kumbaya? Why can't we be friends? Why can't we be friends? <laughs> and this is so concerning that Mir has to walk on stage. Lacus Klein, him. please. I'm sorry, that Lacus Klein has to walk on stage and comfort him. She's like, I can tell you're upset with my amazing pop star powers. And all of them, like, all the Archangel crew are like, what? The fake one? I, I think initially it's a matter of, wait, what's Lacus? Wait, hang on. <laughs> And she's like, yeah, it's a fact that this war began because of the terrible actions of a few coordinators. And we'll never forget that catastrophe and that we couldn't prevent it. But, like, it just keeps dragging on. We've offered concessions, but the Earth Alliance just won't stop it. And there's been so many tragedies because of it. Both Kira and Athrun kind of have the same, like, glare reaction to that. And Luna Maria glances at Athrun like, because What's she knows. Problem? No, she yeah, knows. So I don't think she like knows exactly which one is fake and which one is real, but based on his reaction, she's probably thinking this yep. might be the fake one. And then we cut to Lacus watching this, and she's like, huh, I'm making a lot of really good points here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, sexy me is making a lot of really good points. Actually, I think both Waltfeld and Lacus yeah, are but... both like, I can see where this is going. I yeah, I I want to talk about that when we get there. I think we all do. Zach made some very good points about it on the way up here. And I want to make some points yeah. about it, too. Anyway, Mir is like, there has to be peace at the end of these pointless battles. We've seen enough suffering. We have to break the cycle so we can sing Kumbaya and live hand in hand. Okay, like, they zoom in on a picture of a woman and, and a child. Is that a person we've met? We have seen them before when the sky was falling. It's a very deep cut, even for this show. Okay, I'm, I'm like... Am I supposed to recognize this person? I feel like the series wants me to recognize this person. Yeah, I think that was a lady sitting with her granddaughter, and the photo is her with her daughter, who yeah. was the granddaughter's parent, who I assume is dead. Just like we haven't seen Kaiju Boy. We have seen these guys, though, as Isaac Diarca and... Uh, <laughs> she's <laughs> got a lady. name. Yeah, I, she's I, got I, a well, name. I can picture it. I can't pronounce it. I have come up with a very cute headcanon, I think, where she and Isaac get together because their parents keep bugging them about how they don't have boyfriends. <laughs> And Diark is aware of that and is tired of people assuming he and Izak are gay. So he pressures them to pretend to get together so their moms will stop um, so the, their parents bugging will stop them. Bugging them about when it. It's really just so people will start assuming he is gay. And then it just, you know, there's not a ton of passion there, but they both like each other well enough and respect each other. And eventually they get married. I feel like they still want that character to stand out. And the reason yeah. and well, so they that's have why the design. Why not use it? Well, she's also the only one wearing a red uniform. Yeah, because she's all right on his team. Yeah, I was going to say, because of that, I really wanted her name to be Mai Shiranui, and that is <laughs> definitely not her name. No, she's got a backstory and everything. I know she's and, got and a name because she's an available pilot in SD Gundam Crossrays. Yeah. I just don't remember what it is. It, it's a flower in German. Tyler's looking it up now, so I'm stalling when I could just be quiet and edit this out later more easily. Uh, she held Hunnenfuss. Yeah, I, can, I, I know how it's spelled. It's like Heine, Westenfluss, except it's Hanenfuss. <laughs> that sounds German. It sounds German, and that's the problem, because it's not. So Arthur is very happy with Lacus's words. Gladys is... I think Gladys gets them. it, too. Yeah. But, we get some landmark shots in the background. But she's like, but there are those who will try to stop this piece at all costs. And Dren's like, they've been around since antiquity. And Jabril's the, like, shit. Those who demand that people fight and continue to fight so they will profit. So, really quick, that is actually a German word. It is German for a buttercup. <laughs> yeah, flower. <laughs> so, her name is Shiho Buttercup? Yep. That's really why she marries. She just doesn't want that last name. Shiho Jewel sounds a lot better. 
But she could have been Shiho Weston Blues <laughs> at one point in time. <laughs> I don't know that they ever met. No, that's fine. So Durandal continues, those who don't fight are cowards. And those who don't obey are traitors. That's what they say while they throw guns in people's hands and say, go fight them. Did you know that Blue Cosmos is actually created by these guys? <laughs> Fun fact. Weird fact. <laughs> I like how he just, like, put together this documentary drama. Anyway, and then we cut to Jabril, and a bunch of Jabril's buddies are like, oh, oh, crap. Oh, no. Oh, wait. No, wait. <laughs> Constant angry glares from Jabril. Yep. The now Lackis, or Mir is just kind of awkwardly standing next to Durundle. Behind the chess set. Well, yeah, I mean, she's on screen now. It's not like she's just going to awkwardly walk off screen, so. <laughs> well, and it gives it, like, that tacit approval, like, yeah. Lacus is tacit approval, even though we know that Lacus does not approve. I kind of want, like, a bunch of 1984-style posters with Lacus's face <laughs> on it. <laughs> I still think one of the funniest ones is Kevin's shirt that's just Celestia that says Obey. Yep. I, I mean, I have a Lacus Klein shirt that says People Are Sheep. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> anyway, he's like, these people have always made sure that war goes on. They are Logos, the merchants of death, and here I've doxed them for you. So, okay, so really quick, we do need to point out some of the amazing fake names Bruno Azrael okay that's what I do think he was other Azrael's dad no that is that is not Azrael that is Azrael oh that's fair (laughs) Um, I do like Azrael rail lines I do like Lally McWilliams (laughs) which is Celestine Groat (laughs) (laughs) I pointed these out to Alex while I was watching the episode earlier today and she's like what is that name I do like the guy right before Jabril though Duncan Duncan Lewis (laughs) Mockelberg that's an evil guy Lord Jabril his name is actually Lord Jabril (laughs) I like also he's the only guy not wearing a suit in one of these photos uh, he also is not wearing his eyeliner or his lipstick. He, he actually looks like this was a picture taken at his house, whereas yeah. all the other ones look <laughs> like they're at like a social function. Well, he never leaves his death bunker. Anyway, these are the true enemies to everyone hoping for peace. Jabril's like, shit. And Gladys is like, oh, wow. I knew something was going to happen. I didn't know it was that. And, and everyone's like, like what, what now? Anyway, you can download all their information, like their address and their Twitter handles. As of now, Logos is canceled. Sorry, I'm trying to find out what the hell his first name is? And as far as it's I can Lord. tell... Yeah, Lord. <laughs> it's Lord. Yeah, Lord. Yeah. I feel like I've told this before, because yeah. I, I said, I'm pretty sure that's his name. This is the scene I'm talking about. I think you've literally looked up his first name yep. before. Apparently, the Japanese name is Rodo, which I'm not sure that's... I don't know if that's supposed to be Lord. I honestly have no clue. That might be the LR confusion thing. Well, yeah, but it doesn't, like... That's not the vowel that they would use at the end of it, usually, to, like, I don't know. Anyway, I'm confused. So we get a shot of Luna and Atherin, and they seem both kind of perplexed and shocked. They stand out really well against all the random people around them. And then we get one of Shin and Ray, and they're like, oh, yeah, Chairman Senpai. Someone we can shoot. (laughs) Yes, I'm glad to have this simple goal in front of me. That says if Master Chief kills these guys, then we'll win the war, because I'm Master Chief. I definitely get the feeling (laughs) that... Shin is taking it at face value. Do you think that Shin ever played Halo? No, I don't think Halo existed in this. <laughs> Canonically, though, he liked to play video games. Yep, I'm just saying. But was he playing them on his Wonderswan? No, he was <laughs> playing them on PC. Wonderswan was gone by the time. Wonderswan was actually discontinued when Gundam Seed was airing, but not when it was produced. That's how thin that line is. Anyway, more happy, Ray? I'm concerned that Ray is happy because now you know it's bad. Because <laughs> Ray's smiling. And so Durundle says that uh, he's going to declare his intention officially to put a stop to Logos 
effectively declaring war on Logos. And Kigali's immediate reaction is, this is going to be bad. Why? Uh, okay, I, I will let get Zach get to his thing, because it was, it's a very good... Um, I mean, this is the end of the speech, speech, basically, right? Yeah, because I remember being kind of on their side the first time I watched this, but not remembering why. And I wonder if it was when this aired. Because we talked a lot in Seed about how it's kind of a metaphor for 9-11 and the war on terror that happened right after. And remember, this is 2005 when this is airing originally. So very much the same climate. Like I said earlier, this is one of the first series, uh, like speculative fiction series I saw that took like the military industrial complex is a problem and like literalized it, which I think is, even though it's oversimplifying is what I think we'll get into, a good thing to happen, especially at the moment. Like, that's a good villain to present. And this is also very War on Terror-esque. We've talked about how one of the problems with that analogy is that there's not a side that's obviously America, because one is literally America, but Zaft is way more like America. And the way they're running this war is very War on Terror-like, right? Because they're like, we're going in, we're de- uh, demolishing these organizations, but we're not going to hold territory, we're going to let them govern themselves. Maybe we're going to take the oil, who knows. Um, <laughs> There's space oil. And this is very similar to saying, okay, this is Al-Qaeda, these are the guys we need to kill. So, while I get that, the problem is the show is painting it in too simplistic black and white, so I believe, according to the show's logic, that taking out Logos will actually end the war. And that's why I don't think it holds up very well. And I kind of agreed with you, but like I said, Zach made some compelling points to me on his way down, so you have the floor. Uh, so the reason why, like, I look at it and I understand why Kira and all the Archangel crew are like, this is gonna be bad, is because they're seeing Durundle for what this actually is, and this is a tacit declaration of war that lets us go to full out. He's basically saying, now I have free reign to do what I want. So he's going also to- like the war on terror. He's yes. going to- <laughs> Which is why I wanted to bring up that. So he's first. going to completely use this as a justification and as, a, as an excuse to freely target anything he wants to. Like, before, they'd been sitting there being like, we're on the defensive, we're on the defense, we're not doing anything- now we have justification for going full offense and targeting whatever we want with the justification. Oh, Logos is there. Yeah, so yeah they've got weapons of mass Logos. Yeah, so well, now they say, can yeah. sit there from a position of moral superiority while doing whatever they want. And that's why the Archangel crew are like, this is not good. This is going to be bad. This is going to result in a lot of people getting killed. I think you're right, Zach, but I also think you're reaching too far. And what I mean by that is I feel like the series should vocalize that. They should, instead of just having the crew of the Archangel be like, oh, no, this is bad. One of them should say that. Yeah, that's because the, of the level, like the, for lack of a better term, the reading level that Destiny is at. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. the problem is like, that's what I think is this is supposed to represent. But the series never explicitly says that. So it kind of makes it out to be like the Archangel is sitting there being like, yeah, this is going to be bad because we don't like him. And Destiny yeah. has not done a great job grappling with complex topics like this before. So I believe, based on this, despite your arguments to the contrary, which I totally agree with also, but, like, Destiny itself makes me want to believe that they, like, really will just, like, we'll fight Logos, and then we win. And that's because Jabril is such a comic villain. (laughs) Although I will say, if Jabril had been any more help to them in this aim, he would be on their side. (laughs) Yeah, it does seem like a false flag operation, almost, doesn't it? That's the other thing about it is it very much seems like that. But again, like you said, the reading level that Destiny is at, more or less. Yeah. And again, we talked a lot about how Seed had parallels to the War on Terror. And it is the same writing staff. So I'm willing to give them these benefits of the doubt. Because I absolutely think that Logos is both the military industrial complex 
and the excuse of the U.S. of, okay, we've got to get this guy, so we declare full war. This is Osama bin Laden's here, we have to get him. And it's a criticism of that, while also being a criticism of, you know, Dick Cheney and Enron and the military-industrial complex, which gets your wires mixed, but that's why this is metaphor and not real life, (laughs) and that's okay to do. But it's a much more complex idea that Destiny's suddenly chewing on than it ever has before. Yeah, which is why I don't trust them to actually be reaching yeah, if for it wanted to chew on, If it wanted to chew on a complicated idea like it's doing here, we really needed to spend a lot more time presenting that idea. And exactly. honestly, with Destiny, I think it should have just stayed out of it. That's why I'm suspicious like, I'm of not saying this that, actually being as complicated as we're trying to make I'm it. I'm not saying that this kind of idea shouldn't be tackled in a series like this. Like, I mean, honestly, Seed approached it and I think did a better job. Well, already, but like, so. because we're already dealing with coordinator versus natural thing, you're already dealing with, you know, racism allegories and all that and some of the other real world war things. To bring in the military industrial complex, you're starting to kind of muddy your message, I think. So, like, having a series that's specifically focused on that, I think, would actually that's be a, a much point. better idea. Like, if this wasn't a sequel to Seed, would it have been better? Well, because on top of that, we're looking at the extended and, you know, human experimentation. And then, you know, is it okay to modify people? Is it okay to cyborg people? Which one is real? And then now you're like, oh, military industrial complex. And it's like, uh, how many more ideas are you guys going to add? Two big things I want to say on this. One, one of the reasons I bounced right off double O from the start is it actually starts with big ideas like this. And I was like, oh, the people who did Gundam Seed Destiny are doing this. This isn't for me. When it was A, completely different team. B, very much, if you watch that, like the first episode of Double O is practically them screaming, this is not Gundam Seed. And I just, (laughs) you know, didn't realize that the first time I watched it. And C, it kind of plays with different ideas in the end anyway. I actually remember liking the first episode of Double O. So I was thinking if Destiny had opened tackling more of these concepts, we would have been primed to accept this as as nuanced as it deserves to be, as opposed to what it probably is. Yeah, I, I think message two, and this is more of a my personal taste thing. One of the reasons I think Destiny is not as bad as people say it is. Don't get me wrong. I don't recommend it. I'm not saying go watch it. I recommend you listen to us talk about it instead. <laughs> yeah. I will respect a series like this that goes for the complex issues and doesn't quite reach them more than something like Gundam Wing that aristocracy kind of sort of we accidentally stumble into drone warfare but drone warfare is barely an idea right now so we don't actually have anything to say about it no i'm not saying like i said i'm not saying that you shouldn't ever try and tackle something like this i just feel like they've already got too many other balls in the air as it were and now they're adding another one and they're they're already not juggling it well it already feels like they're starting to drop a couple of them the fix i think for this maybe this is too unsubtle is you put the sirens on that list of names right and now, oh, Durandal wants to attack Orban as an excuse to. Yep. Well, because you could have put literally anyone on that, especially after that announcement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not necessarily the Sarens, but other Orb officials. Well, the, the thing about the Sarens is about economy of storytelling. Because yeah. we know who they are. Yeah. And like, going, oh no, that guy's from Orb. Doesn't have the same impact as Gamer as Dad. As Gamer Dad, yeah. Because <laughs> we know them, and even if we don't particularly like them, we understand those are people we already know, and that's a nation we know and are supposed to care about. Because I absolutely think Zach's right, and this is what we're supposed to think. But you and I are both like, destiny isn't that complex. They've trained us not to look for that. So we're just like, why are they so upset? It just feels like Durundle's the bad guy. And I, there is a moment later that I really feel like they just are like, we can't accept this. Durundle's the bad guy. Why Much is he more the bad guy? One. Because we say so. So at, anyway, it ends with Kigali being like, 
Captain Kira, we have to go do something. While a bunch of people in the street, mostly the Berlin burned down street, start cheering Durandal's name. Which is exactly what he was planning on happening, I expect. Yeah. With his 40 chests. And I think, like, the crew of the, <laughs> the, crew of the Archangel, Sans Atherin, are, like, in shock that these people are cheering his name. I think Atherin's reaction is because Atherin has the same thought of Kira and Kigali in them. Yeah. And Shin is also an exception to that, because he has this, like, tired smile. Yeah, he's like, ah, it's going to be all right. We just had to kill these dudes. This is why I think Atherin is going to defect at some point. I don't know if he actually does, but... Uh, spoilers for three episodes from now, there might be one called Atherin on the Run. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ray smiles in a it's-all-coming-together sort of way. And that's the end of the episode. So like I said, I actually really like this episode. I think it has forward momentum. It has some themes at play. I think all of the moments are efficient. Yes, we spend a lot of time on this speech, but I think this speech is important. Well, and it does enough cutting between things while the speech is happening that we get a lot of different perspectives coming together, and I think that's pretty useful. Yeah, and like that's a thing that's actually very hard to do, but it's hard to see how well it's done when it's done well. I mean, I, I, I kind of ragged on it for the speech lasting as long as it did, but honestly, when the episode ended... With the speech ending, my reaction was, wasn't like, oh god, that took forever. It was, oh man, that speech was how long? I thought it was a well done thing because we, we did kind of need this to give us direction, even as much as, you know, I'm kind of ragging on it as like adding another ball to the already kind of fumbling juggler. Another idea I want to throw out that I've mentioned before, but I don't know if I've mentioned it since we started talking about Destiny even, that I, you know, have been waiting for an excuse to come up with is, one of the influences on Shin's character that has been cited by the writers and very much noticed in 2005 when you're watching this is one Anakin Skywalker. Oh, okay, yeah. Prequel Anakin. And this is where we see some of that where, you know, this politician is saying some stuff and this talented fighter is like, yeah, that does make more sense than what my nice mentor is saying. I would like to overcome death, Darth Plagueis. <laughs> Have you heard the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? <laughs> Not from a Jedi. Darth means super cool guy in the language of the Sith. We went a long time on that speech, which I think is due, but do we have any other final thought type stuff? I think I, I was not super keen on this episode before we recorded this episode about this episode. Now that we've gone through it, like especially the pacing in the first half where I'm like, wow, man, that eye catch came early, but it totally didn't. I, I think I came around on it. I think I, I like what this was doing. It's well-paced, and it honestly didn't feel like it was a full 20 minutes. Yeah, again, it feels like it's finally hit that seed pace again, right? Where two episodes ago was a slow episode, but stuff was happening, and it set stuff up. Then we got a big action episode, and this is, again, a, it's a slow episode in terms of action, but it's incredibly economical with its character storytelling. I feel like this is an episode that they actually had planned out. Like, if they were storyboarding Destiny, this is an episode they had planned, and they weren't really sure how they got here. They were really... Like you said, economical with everything that they did with the Shin uh, putting Stella in the in the lake, like the time passage with the snow, like that was really well done. Moo, even Moo waking up, even though that was such a like a short, small moment in this entire thing, it was a very good moment. And even though that speech does last the second half of the series, I mean, granted, I could see this being a little bit frustrating if you were watching this on a week to week basis, having this episode literally just consist of ten or fifty percent speech. Yeah, I don't remember it being, though, because like I said, I feel like it has forward momentum. I feel like every scene is important. There's the Moose scene. We didn't even talk about the Luna and Atherin scene, which is a big character deal. Do you have a high point, Tyler? 
I think, so generally, Mir, uh, because I'm just a big fan of Mir's character, um, I think specifically, actually, the stage direction they gave her. Or like her on. coming up and yeah, putting and her hand on. Yeah, trying to comfort Yeah. And like, when it's like, it's clearly staged, yeah. right? So, I don't know, just that and Durundle's expert use of a Lacus Klein. He, he has a Lacus Klein and a Shinoska and a Razor Barrel and a kind of a Gladys, and he's going to take over the world. He's got an Izak, but he's over there off screen. Zach? I think I have to go with uh, Moo waking up in the, or Neo waking up in the sick bay because that whole thing is really well done. It it feels like Moo when he gets up. And it's like, weird how much his personality is still Moo. Right? And like the sheer level of like emotion and reaction that they give Maru through that entire thing. That really brings home that she's still not quite over this. Well, especially, well, she probably thought she was, and then she found the living corpse. Yeah, so. she found the dude not dead. I'm going to go with Shin doing his homework. That is that- also a really, like, it's a small moment in the, in the episode, but it's a really cool moment. I also, again, I really wish we would have gotten that earlier in the series. Yeah. Uh, Tyler, low point. The harder one. Yeah, the, weirdly for this show. Um... I think it's actually just how, to some extent, like, I think this is kind of necessary, but, like, how much we get Jabril and his Logos buddies just, like, yelling about how much of a disaster this is. I feel like, of all the really well-used scenes in this, those were, like, some of the weakest What? Jabril being incompetent in this show? (laughs) Zach? Ooh, this is difficult. Honestly, I think I have to go with... Like, Atherin just continuing to be completely and totally ineffective. I understand why it is, but I kind of wish, like... Because it got saviored. Especially, like, (laughs) because of how Shin was acting earlier in this. I kind of wish Atherin showed a little bit more backbone here instead of basically just, like... Because he did it with Izak, right? Yeah, instead of just, like, throwing up his hands and saying, I'm not doing anything. Although, to be fair, Diarco was never like, it's cool, Atherin, I'll talk to him about it. It's fine. So... What about you, Jeremy? I'm tempted to still say the ending, which was my first thought on the way down here, with Kira and Kigali being like, oh, no, he's the bad guy. This will be bad. But I do really like Zach's rationalization and or reasoning. And I think we should give the writers of Destiny some credit because they're the same writers as Gundam Seed. And they handled Seed pretty well. And if you're right about them having like this episode is actually storyboarded out from the beginning, you know, this these sequence of events, that would make a lot of sense as well. So what I'm going to go with is a, kind of a weird one, but it's the one shot of not the one shot. We have multiple shots for the shot of Mayrin looking at Atherin after he walks away. It's a little out of place, right? right? I get what they're going for, but I talked about how economical everything in this is. And that's trying to sort of, I think that's there to advance like the mayron atherin relationship or the Mayron pining after Atherin at least. I'd and actually I don't think forgotten it does well. about that. Well, it's a one second shot, uh, which tells you, you know, again, I think this episode's very good. I'm picking like basically a frame that I'm like, that one's not great. But no, I agree because I like they're not really doing anything with that because Mayron's not enough of a character in the show to like have that matter. Honestly, would it have been better if, if Mayron followed him? I was going to say if it was Luna, and that's the reason that she came to, like, find Well, that's why I was saying, like, if if Mayron followed him and Luna found them both there. Yeah, if Mayron was trying to say something to Atherin, and then Luna came up, and she gave up and left. Yeah, because we already know that Mayron isn't, um, like, she isn't quite as outgoing as Luna Maria is, and she's not quite as good with social situations. Most of their relationship is her staring at him and being like, he's hot. Yeah, pretty (laughs) much. And I've been there, Mayron. Oh, so (laughs) have I. Don't get me wrong. Especially when I was Mayron's age. You were lucky if I did that much, but... (laughs) I spent too much time looking in the mirror. 
just like Fonzin. Hey, <laughs> that's a good looking guy in the mirror. Any other final thoughts? We've been, I especially, I've been very kind to this episode. But like I said, I think this stretch is a high point for Destiny. I can see like a version where like the next 10 episodes are good. And I don't think that's actually the truth. I think there are some Destiny ass episodes where it's like, <laughs> well, nothing happened here in that stretch. But if I put the timeline in my head, I'm excited to see what's coming up. Yeah, there are definitely some things I'm excited to see coming up. Honestly, like I really like this episode, but I wonder how much of that is from me like backfilling Kira and Kigali's reactions at the end. I think you're doing that a little bit, but I also think like the writers, that's what they want you to do. The question is whether or not they earned it, right? Like, did they set up enough stuff for you to see it? Obviously, in your case, they did. Well, but also- I think for a lot of people, like me and Tyler both had the reaction of, why do they hate this guy? And again, I think it has to do a little bit with the reading level of we're not used to having to read between the lines for this show. Well, and, and I'm a little bit more inclined to look for that, especially because I spent so much time looking at history. And especially recently, I was listening to a book on Pearl Harbor. Well, and again, this show came out 15 years ago. And I think part of me, uh, I think I don't remember. So I'm speculating. I think because it was prescient at the time, that was also the feeling I got at the time when I watched this in 2005 as it was coming out. Whereas now I'm removed enough for that, that I didn't even, I've been meaning to bring up war on terror stuff. I mean, I meant when I first watched the episode, I wanted to compare this to the way the U S went in compared to Rundle's strategy to that. I do remember. But I didn't come up with that specific uh, analogy. I basically did. And then I discarded it because I'm like, there's no, nah, they can't be that smart. I, I do remember watching this the first time and my immediate reaction to this and other things were that, Okay, so Durundal is now the bad guy because the crew of the Archangel has declared it must be so. And I definitely, there's a later scene that I 100% feel that way about. But that's about 10 episodes down the line. All right, I think that will do it for episode 33. Join us next week when we will be watching Phase 34, Nightmare. Which had the, the thumbnail for that on Crunchyroll is that scene of... Is a scene from this episode. Yeah. Which is not a great sign. Nope, but I'm looking forward to that episode nonetheless. So am I. So, do Mirror and Lacus have an epic rap battle? No, that's Lacus times two. So, until then, we have to keep watching. It is our destiny. become a commander I already made it clear to you I'm a captain I'm your prisoner but it doesn't mean you can demote me